0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer.
1: Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. Hello. Hello. Fine, how do you do? I'm doing good. How are you?
0: I'm doing very well. I had a it's been a good week. Uh caught catching up on some things. Good. It was a little bit tardy on placeholder three, but I got it out the door. Very excited about it. We introduced Bento. Uh, with a conversation with the developer, uh, Francesco D'Alessio. And uh, I always love catching up with Francesco. And uh, the app is really interesting. I'm excited for you to listen to this episode because I think it will will connect for you and the people that you are working with. I I think it will. I have a
1: hunch. I have a hunch it will, too. So tell people how they can hear it.
0: Well, a placeholder is for our dear subscribers and supporters over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. We do all kinds of stuff over there, but this is our newest uh, benefit to patrons uh, is this uh, members only Uh, Placeholder podcast. You can find it uh, over at takecontroladhd.com slash placeholder. And when you get over there, you can listen to the trailer and episode one to get a flavor of what it is. And if you find you enjoy it, then I encourage you to jump back over to patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast and check it out. It comes with all kinds of other stuff, though. Uh, We do a monthly uh, coffee with Pete. I do a coffee with Pete, which is kind of a technical happy hour and which is really fun. Bring the tech and systems things that you're thinking about and and uh, we all gather on our Discord uh, video uh, in a video channel and, and talk about tech for an hour, hour and a half once a month. Uh, Nikki, you've got coaching or you're coaching with Nikki. That's the first... Tuesday of every month? No, second Tuesday? No, it's the last
1: Tuesday of every month. Exactly what I said. (laughs) The last
0: Tuesday of every month. Nailed it in one. uh, Where you do live coaching uh, for folks who want to solve their ADHD troubles.
1: At least talk about them. Yeah. yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. at least talk about them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. And, I don't know uh, if we and, solved them exactly in that hour, but we right. talk about them. <laughs>
0: we talk about them. Now, those two uh, times with me and Nikki, those are available for our new platinum tier, but the Placeholder Podcast is available across all of our tiers, uh, and uh, you can get that in your Patreon podcast feed. Uh, as a supporter so uh, lots of stuff uh, going on uh, again patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast go learn more see what you think about it and uh, we would love it if you would uh, jump in and support us do we have any news
1: no we're good let's go on with no the news show. it's a
0: news free day well then let's talk but Let, let's go ahead and get uh, rage here Reishi Dowu was diagnosed with ADHD combined type on January 2020, and this is just before Her ADHD clinic closed down due to the pandemic. Undaunted, though, she started adulting ADHD over on Substack to document her own personal experience. Since then, she has been featured in The New York Times, Inverse, and Mashable, and has been featured as a panelist over at Facebook, at Ubisoft Comic Con London, and other organizations to talk about ADHD awareness and ADHD in the workplace. Rachidowu, welcome to the ADHD podcast.
2: Thanks so much for having me. Super excited to uh, to speak to you both today. Well, you
0: have such a, a fun uh, and interesting journey uh, to become an ADHD advocate. You are you you are fairly recently diagnosed. You're a pandemic diagnosis. Is that a fair Is that a fair term? Yeah,
2: for... I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna claim that because it was two months just before like the UK went into lockdown so January 2020 was when I got diagnosed with ADHD uh, combined type
0: wow okay and so then you have a chance to get diagnosed and then everything shuts down and you decide like I I, I'm so curious your decision to start (laughs) uh learning out loud in front of the world about your ADHD can you tell us about that
2: the actual process of me, like, trying to get diagnosed with ADHD started in 2018. Um, so in the UK, we have um, something called the National Health um, Service, which is, um, so in the UK, um, healthcare is paid for by the government, well, mostly paid for by the government, so we only pay, like, a small amount um, for prescriptions. Um, so the waiting list on the national UK National Healthcare Service was about, about two years um to get diagnosed with ADHD um so I went to my GP so that's a healthcare professional in 2018 after I had watched a documentary about ADHD and told her look I think I have ADHD um before I went I went on Google and they people were saying take some examples of um, ADHD symptoms or traits you struggle with in both childhood and adulthood, because it's very hard to get, you know, a healthcare professional to believe you as an adult, because um, as some people may know that ADHD is usually diagnosed in childhood. Um, so my GP has said, well, I don't think you have ADHD. You graduate from university. You've got a good job. And um, at the time, my GP had a patient who had ADHD and she said I wasn't like them. So we were going back and forth. Um, I convinced her to refer me onto a psychiatrist um, to get an assessment. And she said, yep, she will do it. But um, she warned me that it will take up to two years. I thought she was just saying that just helped t- just to get me to just not pursue the diagnosis. But um, she was quite right because it took me a year and six months. So I saw two psychiatrists um, between 2018 to 2020, including my GP Um, And then I got my diagnosis um, in January 2020.
0: So two years, a year and six months to get that diagnosis. That is I I feel like there is there is a a whole other podcast that we should be that that we should be exploring (laughs) why it takes that long to get a diagnosis. Um, But, you know. It, that that is a separate yeah. conversation. That's craziness.
2: It's a long waiting list in the UK, um, and I at the time I couldn't afford to spend money to get a private diagnosis. Um, I was thinking I don't want to pay this much money to just find out that I don't have ADHD, especially yeah. when I needed that money. Um, so fast forward to 2020 when I was diagnosed with ADHD combined type. Um, the pandemic really kicked off um, two months later in March and so after when you're diagnosed via the UK national healthcare service um many people are given um, post adhd diagnosis catch up with a psychiatrist for about 12 months just to see how you're getting on with medication um so i had had two um sessions with the psychiatrist and then because the pandemic kind of started in let's say March 2020 the UK went into a national lockdown which meant the ADHD clinic shut down and so they just sent me a letter in a mail saying you know ADHD clinic is shut down we will contact you when you can have your next appointment. So for about the best part of let's say maybe eight months no contact with the clinic at all Luckily, I had just gotten my meds, and but I couldn't change my dosage.
0: I just there was no uh, accommodation in those eight months for any sort of telehealth, any any Zoom care kind of a thing.
2: No, and if you check my Twitter account, I was moaning about it every single month. <laughs> so I started, I guess, my Twitter account maybe. In, May 2020 and then my subset newsletter at the same time because I had no one to talk to about just being recently diagnosed with ADHD and um, I thought there has to be an online community so um I used a Twitter search bar and searched the term ADHD and saw many people talking about it um but at the time I just wasn't comfortable talking about my diagnosis I felt quite a little embarrassed and ashamed so I made an anonymous Twitter account um so my at name was adulting adhd but i used like um a, a graphic of of a woman with a a brain on top of her head that i took from canva so i was completely anonymous and was just tweeting about, about my experience just being diagnosed with adhd as an adult um and that seemed to have sparked conversations in my um twitter threads people connected and yeah that's kind of how my platform started
0: uh i love your your um profile image right now is uh, I was diagnosed with ADHD (laughs) as an adult and now I can't shut up about it online.
2: (laughs) So accurate. (laughs) yeah.
1: So I'm curious, what was the documentary that you watched
2: that that triggered you into thinking that, oh, maybe this is me? Oh, I think I'm going to get in trouble with it this but I've I've written about it on Substack so it's called Take Your Pills on Netflix Um, and it's a documentary that many people in the ADHD community aren't impressed with including myself now because of like the way they stigmatize the usage of like um, ADHD medication Um, but it is actually a part of the story and why I got diagnosed and when I saw grown men talk about you know struggling things struggling with things like doing chores or concentrating and then how ADHD medication just really changed their lives. I kind of, it was like a eureka moment for me to see that, you know, a man in his 40s is struggling with this and it does seem basic to other people, but this is exactly what I identify with and what I'm struggling with. Mm-hmm. So that's what led me to do a bunch of research online and do every single free online ADHD test I could before I went to my GP.
1: You know, I, I, I'm glad you you mentioned it because I've seen the doc documentary. Not my favorite.
2: <laughs> oh, we got,
0: we got mad. Yeah. Collectively. However, we...
1: <laughs> I love the fact that, yeah. that she could watch it and say, wait a minute, there's something in yeah. it that I'm resonating as a true ADHDer," And that to me is really positive and um, yeah. is, is definitely a positive of it. Yeah.
0: You started tweeting about it. It sounds like just out of frustration at the pace yeah. and pandemic and diagnosis, at some point you decided, OK, or, or I guess I should say, was there ever a decision that you made in which you said, I am I am going to shift my identity and become someone who is who becomes known as doing this research out loud and learning and sharing out loud?
2: No. <laughs> so it was completely unplanned. I mean, I work in the public sector. Um, at, I, I did that at the time and I still do now. And so it was essentially just me getting on Twitter, asking people a bunch of questions on ADHD and I just saw how many people were responding, connecting with each other. And then my newsletter, I just saw it as almost a personal diary to document how it's been adulting with ADHD because I couldn't speak to my psychiatrist about it. And then um, I hit a moment. It it became a time where I was receiving emails from people thanking me about um, thanking me for my newsletter. And at the time, I just thought it was just me talking nonsense to myself Um, But over time, I saw that was resonating with people, people saying they, you know, got their ADHD diagnosis, thanks to reading my newsletter and my tweets. And then I started to take it a bit more seriously in terms of, okay, checking my writing for spelling mistakes, grammar and just making (laughs) sure um, anything I put out was like my own experience or like research that I'd seen. But I always tweet based on my own experience. So people can't use that against me. Yeah, <laughs> that's really yeah. funny. I started taking it seriously, so I checked my spelling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I started I to just, use Grammarly, the free yeah. version. <laughs> right, right.
1: So, what are this kind of what were um, or are some of the things that you talk about in your newsletter?
2: Some of the things I, I talk about in my newsletter is one, my diagnosis story, because there are so many many people out there, especially in, in the UK, who don't know where to start um, with getting diagnosed with ADHD. Um, I also talk about um, not living up to neurotypical standards. And of course, we live in a capitalist society Well, the majority of the world does. And we are almost always held to standards that are set out for people who are like neurotypical, who are able, whose I guess, brains work in a certain way or whose brains are expected to work in a certain way. Um, so that was me coming out and saying, you know, FB standards, I am neurodivergent. This is how my brain works. You're either going to work with me, you know, or not. Um, and then i also talk about... Um, neurodivergence at work, um, which is what I speak to a lot of companies about. And something I'm super passionate about is someone who is in the workplace, um, who thinks there should, every you know, organization should have accommodations for neurodivergent people. So those are just some examples of things I talk about in my newsletter.
1: So I love that. So you talk a lot about ADHD and work. So what are some of the things that you would do or talk about if you were to go into a business and, 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 and talk about this? What, what would be the topic?
2: The first thing that I find that businesses don't consider is actually wanting to to have an organization that's filled with, you know, you know, well, it's diverse, but also that also includes neurodivergent people. But that starts at the hiring practices. So if I'm filling out an application form, um, there are some employee, employers that have disability confidence. So they say, you know, tick this box if you have a disability um, and, you know, they have a guaranteed interview scheme. So if you do meet the bar, but there are so many applicants, we will still put you forward because you, you meet the bar and we want to in, in increase the numbers of this, you know, disabled people. Another thing um, employers don't think about is if, you know, I, you know, I'm neurodivergent, I'm applying for a role and I'm expected to give a presentation on the day, giving, them, giving me the material, you know, Earlier on, or a couple of minutes before, so I can familiarise myself with it. You know, that will help, giving me extra time to complete, let's say, a coding exercise. That will help. So I feel like accommodations start at the hiring practices, not just when you know neurodivergent people, you know, get employed in an organisation. And I I feel like that's what employers, you know, don't think about. And then within the organisation, I think it's just setting a culture, you know, of, of inclusivity because. Oftentimes you hear um, people saying to their employers, can you? Can I use noise cancelling um, earphones or can I just use headphones whilst I work? And, you know, the response I've, I've, that I've been told is they say, well, it won't be fair. You're getting special treatment. But if you fostered an inclusive environment, then colleagues won't see a special treatment. They understand that that's, that's, that you know, meets the need. Or maybe employers can think about just setting that rule that everyone can use headphones so it right. doesn't feel like... Everyone that's been filtered and treated differently. Um, you know, having, I guess, you know, a desk away from, you know, you know the busy areas. Some neurodivergent folk don't like hot desking. So just, little things like that that can just make the workplace a bit more inclusive for us and you know that can i guess enable us to, to thrive in these workplaces
0: i find that so interesting that you know everything you're saying right now these are the same conversations that we have about you know transitioning through you know middle school high school here uh, you know in the us like yeah. that the, and and into you know higher education postgraduate education people who are are struggling with the the uh, more rigorous Accommodations available early on, and yeah. they become less rigorous or less, uh, you know, accessible. The older you get uh, in, in progressing through school, and here you are talking about the same things yeah. that employers are not thinking about, largely, like because they're so rarely confronted by those things. Like yeah. how, like I, I am so curious about your perspective and the people who share with you that their employers are. Are, are uh, you know, are, are they starting to wake up to the fact that accommodations for ADHD are a real thing that we need to we need to address and think about?
2: So I know some some people have mentioned that um, like the, some of the larger organizations have um, neurodiversity employees, uh, employee resource groups. Um, so they have internal networks that um, help to, I guess, raise awareness of all neurodivergent conditions, including ADHD and help them to un- understand I guess the symptoms and straits we struggle with and um, so that when we do come with accommodations it's not like we're asking for the world they can understand why we actually need them and then there are some organizations who just that just think ADHD Oh, uh, it's just you can't sit still or you're not concentrating or you're lazy so they don't really understand you know how much we'd benefit for, for some accommodations or um how we struggle in certain areas and where we might need some support. So I still think there just isn't that understanding of how ADHD can impact someone's performance at work. But then there's also ADHD can cause you to thrive at work just as long as we're given the right accommodations and what you know we have you know colleagues and managers who um help us play to our strengths. Um, so I think it's a mixed bag really I don't think we are we are there yet. Um, um, I know lots of um, organisations have done decent jobs in mental health. So, like you know, anxiety, depression, it can you know be a co-occurring um, condition with um, ADHD. And I'd like to see um, what has been done in the mental health um, space be done, and when it comes to neurodivergence um, as well.
0: I I was talking to a uh, an HR director just yesterday, um, and we were talking about the immense struggle it has been adapting. The medium sized organization of 50 people, because the CEO has said, I don't need to think about those things at work. That's what our health plan is for, right? Go get your therapy. Go get your, go do what you need to do. I have, I have supplied that service so that we don't have to think about it here. And that feels like such a weird out to, to supply the service, but not allow the accommodations so that people can actually thrive in the job.
2: Exactly. And it's very different. So I've, I've gone to therapy before and I can have an amazing therapy session 50, for 50 minutes, feel great mm-hmm. during the session, maybe a couple of hours after the session, but at work, if the, if the problems don't change and, and, you know, things aren't done to help you, whether it, it's manage your workload better, um, to help you organize um, yourself better then th- everything you've learned at therapy, like it's, it, how do I put it? Everything you've learned that therapy has helped during that moment. But if the problem still persists at work, things aren't going to change. So it's almost trying to stick a plaster over like a big hole in the wall, essentially. Yeah.
1: Well, it's interesting. I like that you talk about what kinds of accommodations are available because I think a lot of times clients that I have, they don't know what to ask for. So I think, you know, having that conversation and just saying that having uh, the noise canceling you know headphones can really make a difference i mean just having some information around what to ask for and in the big scheme of things they're not big things they're not they're not going to they're not going to cost anything you know to the company
2: and it helps everyone so another example of like an accommodation i asked for so Having ADHD, um, I'm not the most organised person in the world, um, and I forget things and things. I don't pick things up. But having flex, what I've asked for is flexible deadlines. So I, I I ask teams to give me like a hard deadline and a soft deadline. So if you're telling me you need something by tomorrow, let me know that's an absolute hard deadline, so I know okay this needs to be met. But if you build flexibility within like the time frame, that gives. That leaves room for slippages, which you know might happen, and um, when it comes to scheduling meetings, schedule it five minutes behind the hour, so there 's time for breaks um, I get restless during the day very easily, so I might not be able to sit still and concentrate because i 've had back to back meetings so it 's just little things like that, and that could help everyone in the organization, whether they have adhd like or not and it 's not going to cost anything
0: this is a this this may be something um Maybe something different in in the UK than than what we're dealing with, but I we're I'm I'm seeing a a question in the in the chat room or a, a comment that uh, I'm hesitant to be upfront with ADHD diagnosis divulging during the hiring process as somebody who's going into a uh, you know into a a new job. I'm just not ever sure that doing so won't discourage them from taking me on. Uh, you know, what is your what is your sense of of you know, opening up about your ADHD in the hiring process? And and I I guess, especially what's your sense of the cultural uh, acceptance of ADHD across the UK right now?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. And I get so many people ask me similar questions from the community. Um, I would say to judge it for yourself. Um, Personally, I haven't, Ever diagnosed my, I mean, disclosed my ADHD as part of the hiring process, or even on the job until I have felt comfortable with that person. One, the cons of disclosing on an, an application. Some people have said when they've disclosed their ADHD or other types of neurodivergences they haven't gotten a job and they think it's possibly because they've disclosed it on the one hand you know people can say well if you've disclosed your adhd and you haven't gotten the job would you really want to have want to work for that organization um but then again in the uk we are going through a massive cost of living crisis um inflation is the highest it's been in 40 to 60 years so some people might be in a better position to um Want, only want to work for um, organizations that are like ADHD friendly, let's say, whereas other people, you know, they, they probably can't afford to pass up on jobs. Um, so yeah. there's, there's that trade-off. But I think for me personally, I disclosed my ADHD to my manager probably over a year after my diagnosis. And that's only because um, I featured in a piece for the New York Times and I had took pictures for it. And I was paranoid <laughs> that she somehow come across it um but at that time I trusted her and her response was amazing was just like thanks for telling me is there anything that I can read up on should we change things around to make things better for you she's keen she was really um, keen to understand ADHD MCM. So, yeah.
1: Well, and you know, as a past HR person, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it is smart not to, not to say anything if you don't have to, because there really isn't any reason to, you know, um, you don't know necessarily what you may or may not need until you're in the job. And, mm-hmm. um, why put yourself in a situation because not everybody understands it. I mean, that's the reality. Yeah. Not everyone understands it. And, uh, I, I personally would, and and you're right. I mean, I think the, the, the answer is you have to trust your own instinct and you have to know, like you have to trust yourself and what you think about this company and who you're talking to. Um, but I always ask, or I always, uh, tell my clients, if you're going to be interviewing for a company, interview them just as much as you, they're interviewing you you know ask about the culture ask about hours ask about deadlines ask about what you know where would yeah. you be where would you be seated because you may not even know where your desk is you know in the interview right <laughs> so yeah. find those yeah. things yeah. out and and ask as many questions as you can to see if it's the right fit for you
2: um, exactly and then the I guess one argument for disclosing you have ADHD is that okay you want to know whether this well, if you have very specific accommodations that you need to ensure that the job can provide. Um, but one thing that um, I've learned from people that I speak to, so I have a Discord channel um, for neurodivergent people working in the workplace, is that some workplaces make you fill out forms to demonstrate why you need this. Like It's called reasonable adjustment. So why is your, I guess, ADHD so severe that you need this accommodation or adjustment Um so there's also also that. So, mm-hmm. again, I think people should, you know, do their research, you know, trust their gut and decide, OK, what, you know, what are the risks and benefits of disclosing and, and not, you know, not disclosing. But I never push anyone to disclose. But then, you know, it's again on the individual.
0: We so we've been talking about uh, this, this whole series. We've been talking uh, to um, well, the series I should say is is around ADHD influencers,
2: yeah,
0: um, and those with an outsized uh, influence and intention to teach and and bring awareness to you know, ADHD and broader neurodiversity and mental health issues. And uh, you are uh, one of those ADHD advocates. And you asked specifically that not to be known as an ADHD influencer. And I have i just I read it and it's all I could think about. (laughs) I would love to know your position on the on the word influencer and and what that means to you.
2: Yeah, so I feel like the term influencer can mean so many things but I think as a late that there, there has so many there are so many negative connotations um attached to that word but then also when I think influencer I think someone who is influencing people to buy certain things to live a certain lifestyle um to brand themselves in them way in certain way so I I find that it's more about brand materialistic um just things, just yeah, luxury. Um, yeah, yeah I, I feel like it just like you don't want to it. be
0: associated with the with with those sorts of things.
2: Yeah, I don't. It's kind of like I don't think it it sticks. Whereas an advocate is like you're speaking up for yourself and others and trying to fight the good fight for a group yeah. of people and individuals. You're yeah, so yeah. it kind of feels like apples and oranges. So, not mm-hmm. that I have an issue with the word influencer. I have many friends who are influencers, but because I know what they do as influencers and <laughs> what I try to do to advocate for people with ADHD and other neurodivergent individuals, sometimes, like, yeah, I feel like the, it's very, it's quite different, maybe. No offense to the influencers. I love you all. Yes,
1: exactly. <clears throat> right. Because I probably bought these iPods because of something I saw on, you know, because, because of Pete. Pete. Yeah, somebody influenced Pete is you, you well. and <laughs>
0: I'm your influencer.
1: you tell me (laughs) to buy something Apple and
2: I buy it?
0: (laughs) Welcome to the Pete Fluence, everybody. Smash that like button.
2: Um, I love it. But I will take it if the words, if it makes sense for people when they are thinking about people who help people. So yeah.
0: I feel like, uh, I, you know, I, there is just such a gift to you learning out loud, like we, we started with this conversation. And I'm curious now that to, to transition into the tools of your platform. What, uh, you know, obviously Substack is a big part of your contribution to the body of knowledge. Uh, yeah. what, is, what do you find uh, in terms of your, uh, the platforms that you use and what are the platforms you love and why?
2: I think so for me and for my own benefit, Twitter will always be my first love because it's where I learned so much about ADHD and my own ADHD. Um, There is this hashtag hashtag called AskADHD and you can search through it or just ask a question and you will have so many people responding to any questions you have or anything that you're struggling with. So Twitter is my go to. Um the other thing I love is YouTube. Um, so of course, how to ADHD, um that, you know, videos. Um, I try to listen to podcasts as well. So um shout out to your podcast, mm-hmm. ADHD for smart ass women, mm-hmm. um, listen to podcasts on the on the go to I think help myself have a better understanding of my ADHD and things that I, I struggle with, and then also um Discord where I can speak um to other working professionals that have ADHD.
0: That's so. Do you 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 have a YouTube channel uh, yourself, or do you uh, do not truck in video?
2: I know. So I watch how to eat how how to videos, but I have a an Instagram channel. So in terms of what I the content that I put out is on Substack, sorry Substack, Instagram, um, Discord, and I also have flashcards. So a range of things.
1: Yeah, tell us more about the flashcards. I'm curious yeah, about
2: those. Yeah, let's get to that. let's get into mm-hmm. that. So I do have them here. I guess the audience won't see it. So um,
0: brand deal, brand deal. No, wait, <laughs> these are yours. <laughs>
2: <laughs> these are mine. Handmade. It took me six months to make them. So essentially, when I first started, when I first got diagnosed with ADHD in 2020, there was so much out there. So there is nothing short on the internet on. ADHD um, but what I found that so I have got a short attention span and I just can't read large volumes of text um, so what I found that I was coming across so many different articles um, very hard to digest um, lots of them were very scientific and I just needed someone to tell me what is this trait can you give me an example so I just know this is what I struggle with and then also coping strategies and tips um, for whatever I struggle with so that didn't exist in like one place and when you read like the diagnostic criteria for ADHD a lot of the examples are very um, specific to children and people who are in like school and I'm not at that point in my life Um, so I thought about okay so what can I do um, alongside my newsletter to help people kind of like have a Maybe a beginner's understanding of ADHD, and something they can use as a starting point to to start the dialogue or to do further research on, and to also help them as well. Um, so I thought about an ebook initially. Um, I just didn't want to sit and write it, so that wasn't happening. I had people approach <laughs> me to like write books. They're like, "Yeah, I can give you a book deal. I'm not going to sit down and write that anytime soon." Um, but I knew I wanted a physical project um, product, so I decided to put together flashcards. Um, So in university, um, we'd have this like these flashcards um, to like write notes on to study for like a big exam. Mm -hmm. And my sister is in med school and I'd always see her carrying bags of these flashcards. And I just had a eureka moment and thought, okay, I'm going to do that with ADHD. So um, I created decks, um, um, 25 cards in one deck on ADHD, hyperactive, impulsive type traits and then ADHD inattentive type traits, um, because I have ADHD combined type, so essentially both. So how each um, how each deck works is that you have an ADHD trait, let's say procrastination, a description of what procrastination is, um, including some examples as to why you might procrastinate, um, a few examples of procrastination in adulthood, so people can even resonate with them, especially if they're suspecting they have ADHD, um, and then top tips on how to deal with procrastination, such as productive pre- procrastination, um, maybe doing so, which is doing something, leaving what you're doing and doing something else that needs to be done. And then you will have, you know, you get a dopamine rush and you have that motivation and then switching back to what you actually need to get done in the moment. Um, so I have that for all of the ADHD traits, stroke symptoms, and they all of these traits are in the ADHD diagnostic criteria.
0: This, th- these are like l- awesome you. and legit learning tools, right yes. here. Like these are yeah.
2: <laughs> these are not
0: like. Here is a flashcard to help you feel good today. No,
1: and so much easier to read than a book.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh, holy cow! Yes, <laughs> books are stupid books.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, I'll take that. Very much easier to read, and so the one. So I get messages on from so many people about how the flashcards has helped, but I had to post one. Um, this woman said. Her stepdaughter is 10 years old and was struggling with rejection sensitivity dysphoria and that she had Uh. read the flashcard and gone away and read, looked at so many YouTube videos and now she feels so much better better and can manage her RSD better. Mm -hmm. And that shocked me because my target market is like adults or people in their late teens. And to just get that email was just mind blowing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's doing good. So like, and it's helping people. And that's, that's what I really care about with these cards.
1: Well, and what I love about it is it's like a toolbox, right? It's like an ADHD toolbox. And the one thing that ADHDers will tend to do is forget about what works. And so yeah. when you're dealing with procrastination, to have something like that on hand To be able to say, okay, so what does this say again? How can I handle this again? Or how can I, you know, maybe do something a little bit different? It gives you that resource so quickly without having to go do a deep dive on the internet again about procrastination
2: you know (laughs) exactly and it's also i know someone who said that their mom was reading these cards and their mom was just like wow okay i drug all of all of these things and on the uk national health care it says that um adhd is likely to be um hereditary so if um, you yeah. have it, one of your parents could have it. So it's just funny to see that people's parents are like, oh, this Ooh. could be me. Yeah,
0: well, <laughs> if, like uh, me. once you get to the other side of, of where you are and you start looking at your kids and saying, <laughs> oh, crap, look what I handed down. Yeah, it um... does It it doesn't it doesn't feel Great when you're when you're trying to f- navigate your own ADHD and realize you just have just gifted it to them by by dint of of heredity, but uh, you know, but you I mean, gifted a, a lot of actually... other
1: great things too, and oh, something that yes, <laughs> and something I say to parents that have ADHD that you know and their kids have ADHD is you are a great model for them because you understand them they you get them and so there is a common understanding there of how hard certain things can be um so it can be a very
2: fortunate thing in 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 a lot of ways yes it is
0: thank you that's very how is that i
2: I find that interesting because i mean i don't have kids but i do want to have kids and now i'm thinking like i can't even look after myself i don't have any pets so how is it going to be with kids (laughs) (laughs)
0: You know, there is this I I don't know. I'm I'm speaking for no one but myself. But there is this sense when I when I was diagnosed, we we found out we were having kids. I um, I, there there was this sense that I had that I was like, okay, I've got to hurry. I've got to hurry and figure this out. Right. Like I need to I need to figure out everything that has to do with everything with my ADHD, because I know one of them or both are going to land with it at some point. And true to form, they did. And you know what it was? We ended up. I, I call us a nice little team, like we're an ADHD team, and we love have each mm-hmm. other's backs. And my wife is a speech and language pathologist, and so she she does not have ADHD, but uh, absolutely relates and works with kids in the schools who have it as a comorbid, you know, symptom to their speech and language communication development. And and so we all just sort of, I, I feel very lucky that we all ended up in in a in a place where. You know we can support one another so oh,
2: that it's, it's, not, it's not mm-hmm.
0: that bad. it's mm-hmm. not that bad it's not that bad good okay. to know <laughs> yeah right we're okay hey uh it, you're fantastic Thanks. thank you
2: so much for, for hanging being out with here. us today
0: Rach. You're, it's no, it awesome. was so fun. well you so you just real quick let's do the rundown of where people can and should follow you uh instagram adulting adhd right
2: yes check
0: okay twitter adulting adhd
2: yes <laughs>
0: okay uh uh, substack is just still adulting adhd is it yes. just substack.com sub, slash yeah or, yeah okay okay we've got three and then the the uh, final one is the adhd traits flashcards and that's just adhd traits.com right
2: you're smashing it P. exactly I did. And that's all from
0: legit memory yeah. like that's just that was mostly me testing myself trying to
2: fantastic now you you got all of them and i need your addresses because i'd love to like send you some like flashcards just to have yes. if you want them oh my god i would well, love I'd that absolutely love <laughs> christmas them. came early yes. oh fantastic thank you we will
0: uh we will certainly put all the links in the show notes if there's any place else that you want to be is, have you started your tiktok channel yet do we have any adhd dance videos coming or
2: <laughs> do you know what what do you guys think about tiktok so i don't know i just so i started posting on instagram reels but I feel like t- so TikTok I know has helped so many people with ADHD, but it's mm-hmm. a, a certain level of cringe that I'm just not ready to go down. The road. Yeah. So.
0: yeah, totally get that. You know, we we did uh, although talk to uh, on our last in our series was Casey Davis who has you know 1.4 million followers on TikTok yeah, and she amazing. does a, mm-hmm. she does a delightful job of integrating like uh, helpful tips and and strategies with <laughs> fun how to how to you know, dance sober videos. Like she, I, like, I think there's a, I think you could unlock something. Oh. <laughs> what I
1: learned and also from our other guest, um, is that it's not all dancing. Cause I kind of thought TikTok of just dancing and, you know, mm-hmm. cause I'm a, a yeah. teenager and she is on it all the time. <laughs> um, but that, yeah, I definitely learned that that's not what it's all about and that there are, um, it is. It can be a really good way to to get the word out. I personally don't think you're going to see me on TikTok anytime soon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, but, still, pushing yeah, still, I'm pushing still pushing for it. Yeah, he's still pushing for it, but
1: I don't. I don't think yeah. so. You know, you can only do so many things.
2: Exactly. I feel like if I got a TikTok, then my. I feel like I'd get addicted to it because the. I heard yeah. the algorithm on, on there is crazy. So I yeah. know I'd just be addicted to my phone. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I think that's uh, that's the real danger for me too. It's like I've had to do a cleanse and get all that stuff off. I, I can't. I don't know if I can afford it. My attention can't afford it. <laughs> uh, well, you were wonderful. Thank you so much uh, for hanging out with us, uh, Rachel. Great, great to meet you. And I hope this is not the last time our paths cross. Uh, no, not at podcast. all.
2: Thank you Absolutely. all. Thank you both for having me. And I've just had an amazing time. Thank
0: you. Oh, you're so you're wonderful. Thank you. We appreciate all of you for downloading and listening to this show. Thank you for your time and your attention. Don't forget, if you have something to contribute to this conversation, we're heading over to the Show Talk channel in the Discord server, and you can join us right there by becoming a supporting member at the deluxe level or better. On behalf of Rachie Dowu and Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll see you right back here next week on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. <music>